Enjoy a moment of relaxing calm with the Vita Health Group Wellbeing Series of podcasts to make you feel good, keep you healthy, help you make changes to your life. Vita Health Group is an award-winning market leader and has been at the forefront of healthcare for the past 30 years. Vita Health Group, making people better. Yes, and welcome along to another of the Vita Health Group podcasts. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. I'm Glenn Thompson, and the aim of this series of podcasts is to raise awareness of what Vita Health Group has to offer. To do that, I'm joined on each episode by various experts in their chosen field. And today I'm joined by mental health experts Omar Kaulesa and Sally Tribe. Both of you, welcome to the podcast. Nice to know you're on board. How are you doing? Hi, Glenn. Doing well, thanks. How are you? Good, thanks. I'm good. Thanks, Sally. Thanks, Omar. Let's get a bit of background on both of you before we get underway with today's programme then. And uh, Sally, what do you do? So my job title in Vita Health Group is I'm the clinical lead for corporate mental health. Um, So we work with occupational health and private medical insurers, and we treat both adult and children and adolescents. Okay, so you keep busy, I'd imagine, at the moment then. Very busy, yeah? <laughs> yes, very busy. Okay, and Omar, what do you do? Omar Kaulesa. Hi, Glenn. So I'm a clinical psychologist by background, and I'm a regional clinical lead in Vita Health Group. I work on the adult mental health side mm. of the company, so we work with individuals from 16 plus suffering with mental health problems. Okay, when you say regional, is that a region of the UK? Whereabouts are you? Yeah, so the regions that I work within or the services that fall within my region are Basildon and Brentwood, Leicester and West Essex. Okay, so then today's episode has a special emphasis on Children's Mental Health Awareness Week, which falls between the 7th and 13th of February of this year. A huge area, I mean, we're just going to, I think, touch on the surface of it today but we'll uh, we'll get into as much as we can i'm going to ask you first of all sally what is children's mental health i was talking to my wife only last night about these two words mental health and it's become so more in our everyday lives now hasn't it i think since the start of covid but um what is children's mental health sally yeah absolutely and it's something that um, is really close to my heart and i'm very passionate about in terms of children's mental health but just like adults we all have mental health just like we all have physical health sometimes we feel well and sometimes we don't and we all have good days and bad days but when the negative thoughts and feelings start to affect your daily life and stop you from doing the things you enjoy or your ability to feel okay this means you probably need some support with your mental health and support is out there isn't it Absolutely, yes. Um, Support is out there for both adult and children. As Sally's just mentioned, children's mental health is is not radically different to adult mental health. We both have, when I'm talking about both, I mean children and Mm. adults have physical health and mental health. And we all tend to look after our physical health, don't we? When we're unwell or when we need to go and see the GP or when we need to pick up a prescription, Mm. we're quite, uh, I suppose, open and we don't think twice about accessing our GPs or going to the hospital when we have a broken bone or have an infection. And the same is true for mental health as well. It's it's something that requires ongoing care and attention. And we don't often give it that same level of priority as we do our physical health. But the two work hand in hand. So there is no distinction between children and adult mental health. There is just mental health that requires looking after. In the same way we look after our physical health through our diet, exercise, activity, we have to look after our mental health as mm. well. 
Why is it, do you think, both of you, a question to both of you really, why is it that uh, children's mental health has become such a thing now? I, I remember when I was a kid, going back a number of years now, I've got to tell you, it's something we never heard of. I mean, I, it was probably around, it was probably apparent in a lot of children, but, you know, as kids we, we played outside, we had good fun, there was never a, an issue with mental health. Why has it become more apparent now, do you think, in 2022, Sally? I think this is a really good question, actually, and one thing I often ask myself too and it's, it's really hard to say whether children's mental health is increasing or we're better at identifying, we're better at asking for help and we're better at diagnosing children's mental health. You're saying then that many years ago there probably was mental health but we weren't aware of it. Absolutely, but what we do know also is that it has increased, especially since the pandemic. So, for example, it used to be around 1 in 10 children have a diagnosable mental health, and today that sits at 1 in 6 children have a diagnosable mental health condition. And many of the children and young people who do not have uh, a diagnosable condition may experience a period of mental ill health or emotional, emotional distress. And, you know, you see kids playing around and they're happy on their bikes, they're happy outside playing with their mates, but there could be some underlying issue there, do you reckon? Actually, Glenn, I wanted to come back to something you mentioned before, which was when you were younger and I suppose children's mental health wasn't mm. wasn't spoken about. It was something that wasn't in people's awareness. It raises the question of, did children used to have mental health problems? And I think it's always been around, as Sally was mentioning before, we're now more aware of what this idea of this concept mm. of mental health actually is and the factors which affect it. And children have always, like they've had physical health, they've always had mental health and they've always had mental health, they've always had mental health problems and there's always been issues that have affected their mental health. It's just that we've perhaps mm. never been as good at uh, recognising the signs, the symptoms and having this general awareness and being open about talking about it. One of the other things is like depression, for instance. I've spoken to certain individuals in my personal life mm. from a certain kind of cohort, you know, if you like, in terms of age group, when you mention topics such as depression, they would sometimes say, well, that was never around when I was younger. Guarantee it was. It just wasn't spoken about or people didn't manage it or recognise it in the way we do now. Depression is not a new concept. It's not a new mm. disorder. It has been around. And just like children's mental health, it has been around for a long time too, I think. Yeah. We're just better at recognising it, understanding it and and talking about it now. We'll come on to the challenges for parents very shortly, but Sally, coming to you if I can, what are the signs that something may be wrong, that a child has got some sort of mental health issues? Are they sort of introvert? Do they not sort of uh, mix and mingle with other people? I guess every case is different, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So sometimes it is internal, sometimes it's external. So feeling hopeless, struggling to see the positives in life or wishing you didn't exist. Children getting into lots of arguments or fights. Other things such as children feeling sad, angry or anxious all of the time. Having extreme highs or lows. And other things such as changing mm. to the eating patterns, sleeping patterns. And as you said, Glenn, keeping away from friends and family they can all be signs that parents can look out for. Do you also think, and I'm going to sound very old-fashioned here now, do you also think that you know, we live in a very fast-paced world, don't we? We've got all the latest mod cons, you've got mobile devices, kids are constantly on their mobile phones, you see them coming out of school, they're all fixed to their screen, they're not watching where they're walking. Do you think a lot of that is is maybe a problem? There's a lot of pressure, a lot of peer pressure now, what with social media, that is causing issues as well with mental health? 
I think that's a really good question. And I think that that it's always been there. So peer pressure, social judgment has always been there. But it's 24-7 now Mm. for children, whereas before it would be the school or any other peer groups outside of the school that this peer pressure or social judgment used to be a problem. But now with the cyber world, children are experiencing experiencing it 24-7. So they don't really get a break from it. Absolutely. Omar, the challenges for parents there and the impact of homeschooling on parents' uh, mental health. Uh, lots of things for parents to think about, isn't there, really? I mean, it, it's a huge issue for, for kids and parents alike, really. It has been, and it continues to be. Uh, we do know that the parents' mental health has a direct impact on the children in the family, their mental health, and vice versa. So there's this kind of symbiotic relationship between families in the same household. In terms of the things that parents can do to look after themselves and in particular during the times of uh, homeschooling personally I can talk about my experiences of during the first lockdown I've got two children both at the time were in primary school it was highly stressful trying to juggle working from home and also occupying the role of teacher how did you cope well (laughs) we struggled we didn't cope very well because we soon realized we couldn't do both i couldn't work from home and actually be a teacher and deliver the curriculum that the school were expecting us to to deliver to the standard at the same time what we realized is that we were feeling quite pressured and stressed to deliver the teaching to our children and we were passing that stress on to them how did you do that? You're the first person I've spoken to who's got young children at school and mm. you're, you're also trying to keep a job down working mm. from home. I mean, how did you split that time? How did you do that? How did you divide the time between the kids and what you do for a living? Well, you really needed to carve out times in your diary to dedicate to work and to be with your children. And obviously your employer had to know exactly what you were juggling in the background as well to kind of have that understanding was really, really helpful. You had to kind of carve out the time in your day to do that. And you also, if you were, if you had a partner at home, a wife um, or, or a partner or a husband, for instance, to work alongside them. So, so essentially to tag team. But even then it was really, really tricky. So what we decided to do was to stop stop trying to Mm. deliver or stop trying to be parents as well as teachers and this is my opinion glenn just because you're a mom just because you're a dad it doesn't mean you're cut out to be a teacher sure just like what, what your children are expecting when they go to school it doesn't mean you can be that as well i think parents occupy obviously various roles during their parenting But to be a teacher of that standard is just not realistic. Mm. So the way we coped is by acknowledging that, realising that we were getting stressed, which wasn't helping our children. And then we started to kind of really filter and cut down on the work we were giving them. So, And did you recognise this coming out in yourself? Did you sort of recognise the anxiety and the stress coming out? We did. We did. We recognised it in our children as well because they weren't enjoying it. Neither were we. And it was becoming a a stressful environment. So... If school gave us four tasks to do for the day, we would look at them and pick one or two and we would give that to them and support them to do it. And whatever they did, that was fine. Rather than actually delivering it to a standard which we felt we had to meet, it was um, to a good enough standard. That's what we settled on. And soon enough, we found the experience more manageable. And that was two of us at home 
with two children, but there would have been countless other parents out there, single parents with one, two more children that had to had to do exactly the same thing. Did you breathe a sigh of relief when they went back to school? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. It was. It was good to hand them back into school. And I think more importantly, the children needed it as well. One day they were in this in their school environments with their friends and the following day at home and having to learn at home, not in their peer groups. So I think the children missed that social connection too. So going back to your initial question of what can parents do to look after their mental health is recognising the signs and symptoms that are an indication that they're not maybe coping well. Similar to what Sally mentioned regarding children, so changes in your behaviour in terms of being more withdrawn, being a bit more snappy, irritable, maybe going a bit more into yourself, you know, overthinking things, noticing signs of anxiety and kind of stress. And just to add what Omar was saying is that parents often blame themselves or don't take time for themselves. And I know that a lot of people during the pandemic, when they were trying to homeschool their children and uh, hold down a job, didn't take time for themselves to be you the person that's not the mum not the teacher Mm. not the employee and I think it's really important to still practice self-care because if you can't care for yourself then you're not going to be able to support your child in the best way possible yeah absolutely we keep coming back to this on the podcast don't we that there is support out there for people who have been undergoing that problem i mean now things are back to normal well not fully back to normal omar i'll come to you Mm. on this one because you you've had the kids at home and what have you as things are getting back to normal does that stress and anxiety continue even though the kids are back at school now does that mental health sort of calm down or is it still very much apparent it's still there it's still there because as things get back to normal it feels like one day we're taking one step towards normality and the next day we're either gone backwards or we don't know if we're going to move forward again you know things are so up in the air and that uncertainty i think it breeds more anxiety that will be happening across the board so as things get back to normal i.e children go back to school and parents are able to work either at home or back in their kind of their bases and life feels Mm. a bit more normal that will certainly help but it doesn't mean that mental health as an issue is solved or goes away I think those issues still remain and we still need to be aware of those signs of symptoms and to be kind of self-aware about how, how we can best look after ourselves. Sally, come to you if I can. We focused there on the parents. Uh, let's come back to the children again. What can parents do to support their children in times of, you know, anxiety, mental health, depression, if you like? What can parents do? There are a few things parents can do to support their children. So I just say, try and talk to your children. So talking to your you know, your child about how they're feeling can be hard. But doing things such as taking 20 minutes to do an activity that you can both enjoy, create some, some time and space when you both feel relaxed and able to connect. You encourage your child to open up, but don't push them too far. They might want to talk at first or they might want to do an activity first, but let them know you're concerned about them. Stay involved in their life, so take an interest. Take an interest in what's important to them. It not only helps them to value who they are, but it also makes it easier for you to spot problems and to support children. Yeah. And I would just add in there, Sal, that kind of shown an interest in your child's life. That's regardless of the child's age. So, you know, a five, six year old to a 14, 15 year old. I suppose the activity is going to be different, isn't it? But uh, for the parent to kind of remain engaged and want to do something with Mm -hmm. their children, I think that's key. Spending time together. 
both of you in your own separate fields, I mean, you, Sally, as a cognitive behavioural therapist and you, Omar, as a regional clinical lead, have you seen a big increase in mental health across all the generations, if you like, since we went into the pandemic, you know, a couple of years ago now. Have you seen a huge increase? What's it been like for you? We've seen a huge impact on children's mental health since the pandemic. If you think about kind of the function of a school, it provides a safe environment, it provides structure, routine, and it can be really helpful for children. And what we found is that children of all ages have been missing out on really important milestones. So for some children, it's going to be their first ever experience of learning social boundaries and the impact that could have on their developmental milestones is quite huge. So, for example, they could be left behind socially. So we're finding quite a lot of people, even though the pandemic, even though lockdown hasn't happened since you lockdown three, Mm. we're still finding that there's repercussions for children and adult mental health since it began. Okay. Is it true that well-adjusted children tend to be more robust and adaptable, would you say, Omar? Yes, I would say so. I think despite the difficulties and challenges our children today are having to face living through COVID and obviously some of the other themes that we've touched on already, such as this kind of always online culture of Mm. being attached to devices and so on. I think on the whole, children are very, very adaptable and robust when it comes to change, which is positive. You know, our children have managed and are continuing to manage this kind of very uncertain world rather well. And I think it does come down to the child's kind of general personality makeup and their their kind of support structure and their family system. And if a child is um, well adjusted and they've got stable attachments, then yes, they can navigate with support those kind of Mm. challenges, you know, through life. Similar to adults, our early experiences as children and young people form the template for how we function and behave as adults. Sally, coming to you, I guess the key is being able to recognise the problems. As a parent, seeing that maybe a different uh, type of behaviour in your children, even as adults, trying to recognise what the problems are. As Omar said earlier, you may feel more stressed, more anxious about things. It's it's being able to recognise it and where to turn to for help, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, It's really important to be aware of this, but not to over-pathologise children's mental health, but to recognise the signs and symptoms that your child might be struggling, because untreated mental health on top of the child's distress might have implications for learning and for them enjoying and experiencing new opportunities and enjoying their life, and essentially it puts their life on hold. So recognising the signs early and getting the right support is key. And Children's Mental Health Awareness Week, which, as I said at the start of the podcast, between the 7th and 13th of Feb this year, what are the sort of typical areas they're going to be focusing on during that week? So this year, Children's Mental Health Awareness Week is focusing on growth. And so at Vita Health Group, we're looking at all the children we treat and looking at what growth means to them. So it could be physical growth, it could be emotional growth, it could be growth of a family pet, it could be their own kind of height growth. So it's going to be a really interesting week where we look at kind of what growth means to children. Sally, we touched on challenges earlier in the podcast, but I'm keen to focus back on this again and find out other typical challenges that are facing children of all ages, really, when it comes to mental health. The challenges children face today have been compounded by COVID. So children change markedly throughout their childhood and their social development milestones. And the pandemic has has been exacerbated some of the things they would naturally experience. So, for example, loneliness and social isolation has been a big factor from the lockdowns that children felt lonely or isolated during the lockdown periods. 
some had been able to stay in touch with friends but social contact was much harder than it would otherwise have been and daily activities that previously acted as coping mechanisms mm. including seeing friends and taking part in regular activities were extremely limited and so for young children they could end up being a period of just overthinking things and they no longer had distractions that could alleviate that emotional distress loss of motivation and purpose so many young children felt quite unproductive especially those who were meant to be working or having exams also young children reported more de- feelings of depression and also physical symptoms such as you spending more time sleeping or in bed during this time also another big thing is anxiety so young people on the whole reported an increase in anxiety because of concerns about the virus and concerns about their members of their family being affected and they did not feel comfortable some of them didn't feel comfortable leaving homes having been inside for such a long time because of this fear of passing on the virus if you think about the general population i think that everybody has been affected by loss over the last two years and children aren't immune to that they've still experienced loss in some some way or another so mm. loss of a peer group loss of a family member loss of what it means to them their identity and especially in key developmental milestones where children are, are certainly uh, starting to identify with their peers mm. imagine you're a child and that you've got no one to identify with how much anxiety that's going to cause you I think that children have had a really tough time over the last 24 months and we like I said before we are still seeing the repercussions of that. Sally are we talking of a vast age range here of children not just youngsters but sort of you know teenagers particularly teenagers I guess right into their 20s. Yes it could it could affect um, a wide range of children and young people so for example at Vita Health Group we work with children as young as 5 and if you're thinking about kind of certain developmental stages that could last up until you're 25 years old and so when you're working with children and young people in, in this age range your therapists have got to understand the certain key themes that are affecting children and young people in this time Okay well it's a fascinating subject and uh, one we've only scratched the surface on but if you are a parent yourself and you may be feeling anxious depressed you can see that also in your children Sally I'm guessing Sally the first port of call has to be your GP Absolutely I I'd encourage anyone to go to their GP if they're feeling you stressed anxious or depressed and if they see it in their children there is so much out there for for children and for parents for support so for example the young minds website for parents and carers so it provides advice for mental health and behavior problems in children and young people and they're very good and there's other helplines and websites for children and young people such as shout childline and the mix so there is a plethora of, of mm. um information and good support websites out there for parents and um for children as well i'd also like to add if you're 16 plus and you're struggling with your own mental health issues like stress anxiety worry your mood you don't have to go and see your gp to seek support and treatment you can go online for instance vitalf group you can self refer mm. use an online web form or you can just phone us directly as well so there's multiple ways you can seek support you don't have to go and see your gp if okay. you're an adult Okay, contact details of Vita Health coming up in just a moment. But we've uh, only touched the surface of the subject today, mental health of course, and don't forget children's mental health awareness week falls between the 7th and 13th of February. Sally Tribe, a clinical lead for corporate mental health and also Omar Kalesa, who is of course a regional clinical lead. Thank you both for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for listening to this Making People Better podcast. 
part of the Wellbeing series from Vita Health Group. Improving your lives physically and mentally drives everything we do and getting you back to doing what you love is our priority. Vita Health Group, making people better. www.vitahealthgroup.co.uk We'll be right back. 